0: Today, I really do want us to understand something, and I, I I mean, I have a great layout of ideas, some some cool theology that we're going to talk about, a perspective maybe that you've not seen before in Scripture. I know I hadn't until I realized, and and I think that's really great. But I just want you to know, the last thing I want to do is try and dazzle you with a sermon. I really do want us to come together and ask God to bring impartation into our hearts. I'm, so many people live such broken lives in the world that you and I live. And I've been maybe more in touch with that over the past week than some weeks of the year. But it is so important that you and I Really surrender to him so that we can understand what our role is in reaching into people's lives before they experience devastation. How I many you know we can head a lot of problems off if we'll just learn to be spirit-led? So would you just put your hand on your heart? And Father, I pray that today would not just be a nice little church gathering, sweet little message. But Lord, let there be impartation in our heart. I pray that we would. Literally, spiritually, breathe in what you want to exhale into us and make us stronger today as a result of engaging in your word, spending a little bit of time submitted and surrendered together to the throne room of God in an avenue, Lord, that you have purposed, the gathering of the church and the teaching of your word. Lord, how honored I am to be a part of a voice of what you desire to speak. Help us, Lord, to take it all as seriously as you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Wonderful, wonderful season. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a child is born. Jesus came. Like nobody in the history of the world has a legacy that can even begin to compare to the legacy of this man who grew up in a house the size of a one-car garage that was shared with animals and never traveled more than 60 miles away from his home. Never spoke and traveled and wrote books internationally. His name is Jesus. Came from a very unassuming family, uh, not prestigious and influential, yet somehow God awakened something in the earth through King Jesus that literally split history into two parts. Uh, You you just think about this truth that I'm talking about, and it brings a focus for us in this season that is a little more than just the commercialized Christmas idea that we're fed, Uh, and we have to be very guarded not to just buy into that. But Jesus came, and listen, He didn't just come to show up. (laughs) Jesus came to awaken the family of God in the earth, that is a really important truth that we want to explore today. Jesus came to awaken the family of God in the earth. I think you'll only find Father referenced, uh, referencing God in the Old Testament two times, and it's more of an authority, national expression. And then all of a sudden Jesus shows up, and He begins to take us to a whole nother revelation of who God is by introducing us to this endearing Abba Father term where we would understand God is our Father and we are God's family. Guys, that's why we're here today. That's why we're doing what we're doing. That's the way we should be living the way we're living because we are God's family and the gates of hell will never prevail against the church who is God's family, who's, li- who's leading the charge under this King Jesus who is an absolute undefeated king. There's no undefeated king in the history of the world like the undefeated King Jesus who's conquered every foe that ever tries to come against you. And we're a part of that family. And that is profound when you start to really understand that. And what, what happens is God comes and begins to stir things within us. I'm so stirred today not to just go through the motions ever. I just don't ever want to do that. This morning I was in my house just praying, and I, and I literally I felt I was really encountering God. And I just thought, I want to go deeper. And I got up off of my chair and got on my knees just to say, Lord, I posture myself because I'm hungry for more. Does anybody have that hunger starting to be awakened in them on brand new levels? It is time to grow deeper in who God has called us to become. And I believe the Lord wants to awaken something within us. And today, that's the title. We are called by God to awaken the legacy of God's family in the, in the earth. And so, that's how the Lord does this. He awakens something within us to transform the The world around us, and and I want to kind of sculpt that on that a little bit, carve on that a little bit, help you revisit it and see it from a varying perspective um, that maybe will help mobilize all of us to really be more um, intentional about fulfilling our assignment that God's stirring in ours. You, You have to understand your life is precisely equipped with all the experiences and all the passions that your dreams require. Your life is precisely equipped with all of the experiences and all of the passions that your dreams require. I have some really good news for you. Your mistakes are part of the plan. Where we would think our mistakes disqualify us, God says, I'm going to use your mistakes to actually give you entrance to speak into the lives of those around you because many times God surrounds us with people who need to hear about our past so our past never becomes their future and the mistakes are part of the plan. It's an amazing thing when you think about it. We're family being drawn in to be able to express and, and make fewer mistakes along the way. How many of you know God wants to help us keep getting stronger as we walk this all out? And I want us to see something really unique out of Genesis chapter 17 today and it's verse 1, uh, where God is having this conversation with Abram, and Abram was almost 100 years old now. He had received a promise more than two decades prior to this, you're going to be a father. Anybody receive a promise from God, and, and you're still waiting around, like what is God's problem? Have you know God's never too late, but boy, does he miss a lot of opportunities to be early. I've learned that about him. I, I try to counsel God often. I don't know if you try to counsel God. Like, I'll invite him in. Have a seat, Lord. I just want to help you be God to me a little better because your timing just seems to be, you know, taking a little too long. Um, and and he, he doesn't seem to really get my counsel sometimes. But here, same, same, same scenario. Abram's having this conversation. Abram's 99 years old. And the Lord appears to Abram and said, you will be the father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful, I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. This is Abram coming before God. God, I just want to have a son. And God's response, you will be the father of many nations, and I will make you very fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. In verse 17, Abram was so full of faith, just like you and I are, rose to the occasion said, yes, Lord, yea, and amen, just as thou hast said. No, Abram fell down on his face and laughed because he could not believe what God was saying. If you feel like God is asking you to do something that you believe to be preposterous and like out of reach and can that really even happen, you probably are actually hearing the Lord. This was throughout Scripture. Every person who ever did anything amazing on behalf of God, commissioned by God, had to get beyond their limited circumstances and confined situation to really allow the possibilities of God, the power of God, to be demonstrated in that. Now, I, I, you just have to realize this wasn't the first time Abram had, had heard the conversation either. Like, God had had the conversation before. Genesis 14, God tells him. I'm sorry, Genesis 13, I believe, and then, or Genesis 12 was. Um, look at your notes, Lawrence. And so Genesis 12, where the first conversation started to happen, then Genesis 15, God gives him a visual illustration. Look at the stars, the blessings coming, and now like all this time's going on, this isn't the first time he's heard it, and God is so faithful to reiterate it again, some people in this room need to hear me say, you've heard it before, you've questioned it before, you heard it again, you questioned it again, but God's bringing it back again, because God is committed to God's will in your life more than you are committed to God's will in your life, and you need to know that. God wants His will in your life more than you want His will in your life. Do you want God's will in your life? Certainly you do, or you wouldn't be here today. But God wants His will in your life even more than you want, your, want His will in your life, And that's your blank, by the way, if you didn't catch it. Take heart. God wants his will in your life more than you want his will in your life. But we never get God's will our way. (laughs) And many times that is the delay on God's will coming to pass. We want God's will, but we want God's will our way. And Ishmael and all kinds of things come into the mix. And we're trying to help God out. And we're trying to navigate all of these circumstances. And God's just trying to deepen something within us to prepare us. To release what he's called us to release. So let's let's take a look at God's way. This is a pretty important concept for us as a church family. Um, Jesus teaches the disciples to pray. What was the first word Jesus said when he said, when you pray, say what? Our. Our. Many times we go right to our Father, and there's a great revelation in that. But the first thing he said to say, and it is important that he said say, You know, prayer is not musing and meditation. Prayer is saying and releasing. You have not because you didn't say anything. You have not because you asked not. And so it's important that you say. But the first thing that Jesus teaches us to say when he's talking about how to pray is a community word, our I don't know if you've ever taken a look at the Lord's Prayer to realize, but it's not about you, it's not about me, it's not about any individual, it's about community. He said, when you pray, say our Father which are in him, I'll be your name. He he said, forgive us our debts. He said, give us. You understand, they're all about community. It's all about our. You were born for community. You are to be discipled in a revelation of community. You're to pray with a revelation of community. You are not intended by God to be on your own. I don't know if you understand it or not, but none of us in this room can ever grow to be spiritually mature by ourselves because God's plan is that we function together in family, in community. It's easy to be nice and loving when you're all alone and nobody's around you irritating anything about your life. But when irritation comes your way because somebody walks into the room, then the question shows up, how loving really am I? God's called us in a state, in a place of community. You were created in the image of Trinity God. Trinity is community. God is a beautiful expression of community in and of Himself. That means you were created in the image of community God. You were created by community in the image of community for community. You and I need each other way more than we realize we need each other. I've really watched uh, a lot over the years as people will have conversations. With me. I've had a number of them. I like to talk to people when they're concluding that, you know, they're not settling and they're going to find another place. And, and you know, we kind of live in that world. There's a lot of church shopping that happens and people kind of looking for the church that fits them and the, the kind of like they look for the restaurant that fits them and the grocery store that fits them. and I, I, I just want to challenge that, what you need to do is answer the call of God and get planted where God has called you. And I'm no more called than any of you are called. We're all called to be a family together when God speaks and reveals that. You got to do whatever it takes to work through whatever you need to work through and get planted where God has said, that's where I want you to be planted. And it's not going to be easy. How I many know family's tough. Family can be difficult. I, I've had people say, man, you and Tracy seem to have a great marriage. I, I wish we could have a great marriage like you guys. Ask my daughter, Faith, about Tracy and I at dinner this last week and the knock-down, drag-out conversation we had. Can I just get honest? It's not always easy because I'm a real knucklehead, and I am a lot to deal with by a lot of people's standards. But, but right there in the – I mean, it's great for them to see that. And, and, you know, Tracy, she's an attorney, so she just cussed me out. No. (laughs) She doesn't normally do that in front of the children. (laughs) But I've watched as people, you know, they they kinda they they come and, and this is the mode. They slip in late, they slip out early, don't get involved in any community group, never serve. Never really make any sacrifice to further the, expand the, the kingdom in what God's called us to do. And then they say, yeah, I just never really felt like it was family. I want to help you with that today. Psalm 92 verse 13 says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, what's our word for 2018? Flourish. flourish. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will Flourish. In the courts of our God. I believe that we are coming into a year of great flourishing. But you need to understand fruit never happens if roots aren't established. Fruit is the result of root, and when we get planted, we begin to flourish. I want to just challenge you. We're gonna do a little experiment today. Whatever your family dynamic is, I want you to, to wait until the family has made the meal. The meals made. The food is ready, and then I want you to come in. After it's ready, come in and just go to the table and sit down and announce, I'm ready to be served. And if you survive that conversation and you actually finish eating the meal, I would not. Uh, If you survive that conversation and you actually finish the meal, then I want you to, right before before it's all finished, just leave everything there and slip out. And just let them clean up. And, and then during the week, if you're not getting phone calls to make sure you're doing okay, then I want you to start a smear campaign and write a bunch of social media about how selfish these people are in your family because they didn't follow up to make sure you were doing okay. How immature and silly is that? Let's all just say it together. Welcome to our world. It's the church world that we live in today. I mean, you, you have to understand, if, if you have, uh, let's just say you are expecting a special guest over this next week. The Pope has called, and he, he is going to come, and he is going to visit your house, and you would be so excited. I mean, you would, you would just be like, are you kidding? This is amazing. The Pope's coming to Oklahoma City and he wants to come to our house. And so, so they come, they knock on the door. What would you do? Oh, so good to see you. Come right in, have a seat. We would you know, have the, the meal. And, and the Pope reaches over and he grabs his plate and he says, uh, let me help clear the table. What do you say? No, 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 no put that down. We'll t- you're our honored guest. Leave that there. Come over here, have some coffee, and everything's finished. All the dishes are there, and the honored guests, uh, are they, after it's all over, they're ushered out, and then the family goes in, and they do the cleanup. That's what family does. How many of you have that friend who doesn't knock when they come over to your house? Anybody? They don't knock. They just come in. Why? Because they're like family, How many of you have that friend they don't knock when they come over your house and they open your refrigerator and see what you have to eat because they're hungry because they're like family. If you have that friend in your life then you have somebody that when they come to your house and eat, they wouldn't think about leaving a dish sitting on the table because we're family. Do you understand? It is an honor to serve with family. If, if I let you serve in my house, you are honored that I am allowing you to be a part of our family expression. If, if you're an honored guest and you haven't made it into the family yet, there's no way I'm going to allow. You've got to understand, in my house, we start cleaning up, man. The towels get turned. And the you know the squirt goes and and I mean the little thing on the sink where it's spraying. Well, I'm spraying. And, well, Faith and Lexi are spraying, and Tracy's trying to control us three children. But you understand, it's fun and enjoyable when family works together. It's an honor to be involved in that level in a home with family. It's really important that we understand. If we're ever going to have church feel like family, listen, we have to stop coming late, stop leaving early, stop expecting everybody else to do all the work. We're family. Welcome to the family. We'll have a welcome to the family luncheon the Sunday right after Valentine's Day for those that are coming into the family. But when you come into the family, we want you to understand what family really is about. It's about our devotion and our conviction to see God's kingdom expand in the earth and not just have a place to show up on a weekly basis. I'm glad you're here, but I just want you to understand straight up, we are not about just trying to rally people together in a congregational setting of attendance. That is not who we are. We are about making disciples. We're about having conversations with people to grow deeper in their faith in their relationship and their expression of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that bears with with you as family, and I hope you're about to shout and clap and dance and declare with me in agreement. We are about making disciples. That's what God's called us to do. See, so our deepest need I mean, you think about it, we need each other with God as our Father, then we become family and our deepest need really is born from the understanding of family, this becomes one of the enemy's most lethal attacks to disconnect us from that sense, and and we have to be very guarded. See, what concerns you is actually a clue to your call. This is a really important truth, because this is where a lot of people miss discovering what the dream is all about in their skill set and their makeup. If you come in and you see graphics, you know, I remember years ago, um, the graphics, before we had, had really taken them up to standard where they needed to be, um, this one guy was awful doing the graphics. I mean, terrible. Can you believe I would talk about somebody like that? But I mean, he was just so Horrible. It was me. But anyway, the, the, the graphics really needed help. They needed Jesus, and they needed Jesus' family with the talent to do it. And so somebody noticed that, and they began to, you know, instead of coming and pinching their nose at the graphics, they said, hey, I, I, I can help. You need my help, and I can help you. How about I help you? And so you understand what you notice and what concerns you becomes a clue to your call. But what you have to be careful is that you don't let what concerns you to become that which you complain about, because if the enemy can sift you from concern into complaint, then you bypass the very thing God's called you to contribute to constructively. How am I doing I mean, if you come in and you, you, you um, we don't have this problem in our church at all. We, you know, we, the number one thing people say is this place is so welcoming and, and smiling. But if you go into your church and you see nobody smiling and, and it just feels frigid, you know, then, then, then you don't just say, well, forget this place, man, nobody smile." You notice that nobody smile. You have teeth and you notice. And so that means God's gifted you with teeth that you're supposed to reveal. You notice that people aren't smiling. You have a gift of hospitality. What is it that you take note of? What is it that concerns you? Because that becomes a clue to your call, and then you begin to walk that out as a part of family. See, the same sun that melts the ice hardens the clay. How you respond to your situation absolutely determines whether or not you're going to remain healthy or not. You got a choice to make. Two people can have the exact same experience and have two totally different senses of what they just experienced. There's the family that shows up and they have to park out and they think, you know, this is ridiculous. If I have to park out here one more time, then I'm I'm not ever coming back to this church. And then the other family, they park out and they say, man, Jesus must be alive at this place because I could never get a front row parking place. I can't wait to get in there. And then somebody walk in the room and they say, "This music is not the music that I used to love from the good old days." And, and then the other family comes in. And they're like, "You know what? This is the kind of music that actually is obviously reaching into the next generation because the next generation church, without the next generation being awakened, the church is going to die." I mean, it's two perspectives. How many of you love roller coaster rides? Can I just see you love? Right? Maybe you do not love roller coaster rides. And so, if we put the two of you. On a roller coaster ride, it would look something like this, and there would be the same circumstances going on with two totally different experiences, two totally different expressions, and the roller coaster ride is coming up any moment with that cue that was so subtle. There it is. I love that picture. Same exact set of circumstances. Two very different expressions. So if, we not allow, if we're not careful, we allow ourselves to become frustrated and discouraged. What's going on inside starts to take control, wear us down. Because we're not taking those thoughts captive. We're not responding constructively. Helping whatever the situation may be. You and I are called to actually release peace in the earth. Amen. <laughs> We are not called to release chaos in the earth. So when we see chaos and confusion in its space, we speak light and peace. We're problem solvers. That's just what God's called us to be. And and we need to understand this does not happen if we don't stay together. Family. Family. You know, God created, Genesis 1. God created and he said, it is good. And then he created again, and he said again, it is good. And he created again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Seven times we see in Genesis chapter 1, God created, and he said, say it with me, it is good. And of course it is good, because it's perfect, sinless paradise. But even in perfect paradise, the best paradise you can imagine. I don't know what the best paradise is for you. No job, fishing every day. Maybe that's your paradise. I'm not much of a fisherman, so that doesn't sound great to me. But whatever your awesome paradise is, I mean, you think of the best paradise you can imagine and, and then realize it doesn't compare to the paradise God created in the very beginning. No sin, no fallen humanity. It is good, it is good, it is good. But even in perfect paradise, it is not good for man to be alone. So even if you structure your life like with absolute and utter perfection, the best possible set of circumstances you can imagine, it is still not good for man to be alone. I want to give you a couple of reasons why. I don't know if you've ever heard of the guy by the name of Roger Bannister. But Mr. Bannister did something that nobody had been able to do for 2,000 years, all the way back to Mount Olympus. It was 1954, and Roger Bannister did what the doctors said as a runner, if you accomplish this and you run a mile in under four minutes, your heart, though you can physiologically perhaps make this an accomplishment, your heart will not survive it. A human being is simply not built to run a mile in under four minutes, and if you do it, you'll die. And that was the conclusion medically uh, that they had come to, and runners had been trying it and trying it and trying it, and nobody could make it. And I just wanted to tell you, in 1954, on May the 6th, Roger Bannister, for the first time in these 2,000 years of runner, of runners, he broke the four-minute mile. The crazy thing, almost immediately after he broke the four-minute mile, others began to break the four-minute mile. And in 1964, just 10 years later, a high school student broke the four-minute mile. Now, over 1,000 people have broken the four-minute mile. And just think about it, because in the last 50 years, the human race didn't suddenly get faster. What happened? Somebody broke through a barrier. And in breaking through a barrier, others were challenged to break through barriers in their own life Because you and I were never designed to run the race alone. I need your breakthrough to take me further, and you need my breakthrough to take you further. We need each other. Come on. We need each other to carry this thing out the way God's called us to carry it out. So what is your breakthrough that you're waiting for right now? Because let me take you back to where we started in this conversation today. Abram, 24 years, goes by. God said I was going to have a son. God said I was going to have a son. So here he is. Think about it. Genesis 17, he's before God again, just begging God for a son. And when he's asking God for a son, God starts calling him father. Father but he's not calling him father in the terms Abraham is thinking. He starts calling him a father of many nations. He's just asking for a son. No, you're not just going to get the promise. I've got something in mind way beyond what you have in mind. I, I promise you, Abram, I know it's been a long haul. I know it's been difficult. But don't give up. Stop giving in. Stay strong. Stay. I, I'm calling something more out of you than just being a father. You're a father to many nations. Kings are going to come from you. Priests are going to come from you. They're, listen, there are big plans beyond this. And you have to understand, all of a sudden, after all of this took place, I want you to go with me, because then Abraham does have Isaac, and Isaac then has Jacob and Jacob then has the 12 sons and the 12 sons of of Jacob or Israel become the expression Judah all the way through Jesse David all the way through this is from Abraham do you understand all the way through 42 generations later here's the prayer I just want to have a son God seeing 42 generations later when Jesus comes out of Mary's womb and he says I am the seed of Abraham I am the seed of Abraham and Abraham just wanted a son Abraham just wanted a son, and God brought through him the Savior. What does God want to bring through your life? And when you get your breakthrough, I'm going to get more breakthrough. And when I get my breakthrough, you're going to get more breakthrough. We need each other. We're family. We carry the revelation of family. Unto us, this child is born. But we have to have God's will, God's way. Would you stand What is God trying to awaken within you right now? What is God trying to awaken within you in this moment? Really important that you think about it. Because continued disconnection from the family of God fights against call of God on your life I know when I start saying things like this people have gotten nervous over the years and we've literally done new members welcome to the family conversation where I had language like this and I said look you got to find the place you're called and if this isn't that place, don't make the mistake of just lingering around here and never finding your place. Because that's not what we're not trying to just talk people into sticking around. We want you to understand what it is to be called by God. I had a guy come up to me. I mean, he's like, really, he would probably would have been a real stellar person to have in the church type of influencer guy. And, and he said to me, I'm so convicted by what you've said that I, I realized I left a church to which I was called just because I heard it was kind of cool here, but I'd rather be called than cool. So thanks for the lunch. See you later. And I said, see you later. No, I was really glad that he got it. We have to get this. You have to get this. So, Lord, I pray that you'd stir something deep within us to understand as we're talking about 40 days coming into the year, making a connection in community groups, finding a place where we can build those rapport and relationship. It's all about awakening the legacy of God's family in the earth and participating in what Jesus came to die to accomplish. It begins by our willingness to embrace who you are and what you say about who you are. You're the Savior of the world. We need to surrender our lives completely to you because you came to rescue us from our sin. We thank you, Lord, that you are the Savior of the world and we need you as our Savior in our lives. And then we have to carry a revelation of Christ, the body of Christ as family to fulfill the purpose of God. Help us, Lord, to have an understanding of all that today. Help us to just take a step, one step forward, in the plan of God. That really is not just about awakening a promise for us, but it's probably about forty-two generations later, when the landscape of so many people's lives will be changed because we stood in the gap and were willing to stay in the course. Jesus' mighty name. Amen.